Welcome to a Swifty Snapshot Podcast. Hi, I'm Silver. This is a Taylor Swift podcast about her songs. From her debut album, to her ninth studio album, to her re-records, Taylor's version, and beyond. Each episode will go through an individual Taylor Swift song, include guest appearances from fellow Swifties, and touch on current Taylor news or Easter eggs. Jump then fall with lifelong Swifty Silver as she shakes it off, occasionally does something bad, and becomes even more enchanted with Blondie. Are you ready for it? Welcome to a Swifty Snapshot Podcast. Hi, I'm Silver. Today we are tackling lucky number track number 13. Could I say number one more time? Lucky because, of course, it is Taylor Swift's number. As we all know, track number 13, Invisible, written by Taylor Swift, produced by Nathan Chapman and Scott Borchetta, and released on the deluxe or enhanced version of the Taylor Swift album on October 26th, 2006. This song is about someone who doesn't notice her. Taylor writes it from her point of view about a boy who only sees this other girl. She speaks both to the boy and to this other girl within the song lyrics from her point of view. There are a lot of theories that this song is about one Drew Hardwick, which you will remember from Teardrops on My Guitar fame. And as we go through the lyrics, we will compare and contrast the two songs because there are a lot of similarities. But then in an email exchange interview in 2009 with the Philadelphia Inquirer, Taylor said, quote, I spent my summers at the Jersey Shore from the time I was two until we sold the house in Stone Harbor when I was 14, end quote. When she was asked about songs that were inspired by her time at the shore, she said, quote, Then there's the song Invisible, which is about the son of my parents' friends. They were always at my house, and their son was my age, and he would always tell me about other girls he liked. I felt, well, invisible, obviously. So I wrote that song about it, and it was a bonus track on my first album, end quote. Now, That's about all the background information that we have on Invisible. So could it be about Drew Hardwick? Because remember, there were more than one Drews. Could it be about Drew Hardwick? Yes. Could it be about an unnamed boy from the Stone Harbor house on the Jersey Shore? Yes. Could those boys be the same person? Also, yes. That's all we know. But the more that we dive into the lyrics, I think that you will agree that this song is about Drew just because of the similarities between this and Teardrops on My Guitar. Furthermore, this song was performed on August 14th, 2018 on the Reputation Stadium Tour as a part of the surprise song set in Tampa, Florida. So while she was doing her introduction to the song, during the Reputation Stadium Tour, she always did a little intro speech before the surprise songs in that set. And for this introduction, she referenced a fan she had met at a previous show who would be at that show in Tampa as well. And during their meetup, he had told her what she referred to as a really beautiful story about how the song was what he listened to before he came out. And Taylor said, it honors me to ever have any part in that journey. 
And so she said she would play the song when he asked it of her. It's so fun as I'm covering this first album to go back and watch the Reputation Stadium Tour surprise song set list that are on YouTube and see all these old songs that she performed as she says years later that she hasn't performed in so long. When I got to see the Reputation Stadium Tour, my surprise set songs were the first night I went was Fearless. And the second night I went was Enchanted. It was the final two New Jersey shows at the MetLife Stadium. So that was just a little background fan information, if you will. But we are not here to talk about that. We are here to talk about Invisible. So let's get into it. This is track number 13, lucky number 13 from the debut album. And before we even start with the music or the lyrics, I want to officially name this song either a sequel or a sister song to Teardrops on My Guitar because as I have already mentioned and as I will continue to mention the similarities are just uncanny. It has to be related in some way shape or form. So pick your label or your choice of definition and let's start with the intro which is a lyrical rhythmic melodious intro. Then we start with verse one. She can't see the way your eyes light up when you smile. Immediately right off the hop, I go to the lyric in Teardrops on My Guitar. Look in those beautiful eyes. We're going to do a lot of comparing and contrasting, mostly just comparing in this song. Light up when you smile. Now that one, I made a different link with the second lyric of the first verse, which is from Stay Beautiful, which this song also has parallels to. Now, when I covered Stay Beautiful, I drew parallels between Stay Beautiful and Teardrops on My Guitar. And now we are looping yet another song into this style, this vibe that Taylor writes from. The lyric I linked it to in Stay Beautiful was the first one. Corey's eyes are like a jungle. He smiles. It's like the radio. It's the facial features and expressions that she includes so often in her lyrics. We could almost make it a trend. I'll think on it. She'll never notice how you stop and stare whenever she walks by. This is what makes me think that it's not about Corey from Stay Beautiful because in Stay Beautiful, Corey is unaware of girls staring at him and appreciating him. Whereas in Invisible, the girl of the boy's affection and desire that doesn't notice him staring at her. Taylor is observing him, observing her. It's a three-part observation, if you will. And Taylor has really mastered this point of view. This is not the first nor the last time that she writes from this point of view. And she really hones it and finesses it, if you will. So we set the scene, verse one, this unnamed, I don't want to say other woman because of the connotations that that phrase has, but this unknown girl who is the object of this boy's affection that Taylor has a crush on. We get the first pre-chorus. And you can't see me wanting you the way you want her, but you are everything to me. This is paralleled by the lyric in Teardrops on My Guitar. She's got everything that I have to live without. 
again, encompassing, as we have mentioned before on this podcast, encompassing that very be all end all extreme heightened point of view, sensation, emotion, if whatever, all of the above that Taylor is singing and writing from. You are everything to me. She is categorizing and placing this boy on an incredibly high pedestal. Whether it's warranted or not, most likely not, but that's where he is to her. And in this moment, when Taylor was feeling these feelings and writing these lyrics, that is how she felt. And that was the way she could find descriptors for emotions. And I think that sometimes when we feel emotions this extremely, it can be uncomfortable for others to bear witness to because it is so heightened but I really relate to Taylor in this pre-chorus in that sometimes this is just how we feel and this is how we experience the world around us and by putting these feelings and emotions and lived experiences into words, into lyrics, Taylor gives voice to those of us that experience the world this way. And that is the core of why she has the fandom that she has, including myself, and the relatability of all of her songs. That was quite the tangent. Let's get to the very first chorus. And I just want to show you, she don't even know you. <laughs> I should almost get a sound effect for every time Taylor uses improper grammar in her <laughs> lyrics. But I have said it before and I am going to say it again. We will allow it. We'll allow anything when it comes to Taylor. She's never gonna love you like I want to and you just see right through me. But if you only knew me, we could be a beautiful, miracle, unbelievable instead of just invisible. Now, the third lyric of the chorus, she's never gonna love you like I want to. In Teardrops on My Guitar, if you remember, the very end, she doesn't actually say that she's in love with Drew. It's very heavily implied, but she trails off from saying the actual word love. She leaves it to the audience's imagination. And of course, we all go there. But in this chorus in Invisible, this is why I think the songs are so closely related. Or maybe this is like a deep dive into Teardrops. It's like Teardrops was the the um, the first room and then you open the door and you go into the second room and it's like, oh, this is what's behind that. This is what's behind that. This is what she meant when she wrote this. Like it really parallels and I urge you to like look at those two lyrics side by side because it blew my mind in a way that I hadn't had my mind blown when I had encountered these two songs before. But I digress. In Teardrops, when the love is heavily implied, here it is fully admitted. She fully admits. She says, she's never going to love you like I want to. Fully admitting, I love you and I want to show you that love. It's that unveiling of what she means behind the curtain. This end to the first chorus, the use of those three descriptors, beautiful, miracle, unbelievable. I love the sandwiching of the two adjectives with the noun in the middle. This songwriting technique, this choice of words, like Taylor's lyrics are just so rich. And this end to the first chorus, beautiful, miracle, unbelievable. Oh, 
It just feeds the soul and drips with layers and decadence to the ears. And then she pulls back at the last minute. She gives us this full picture of what it could be with this boy, potentially with Drew. And then she literally stops in her tracks so abruptly and goes, instead of just invisible. And you're just left hanging, like stunned, because you went there with these descriptors. You went to the beautiful place. You went to the miraculous place. You went to the unbelievable place. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're pulled back into a nasty reality of being just invisible. Imagine you had a taste and then you're like, nope, this is your definition. I love this course for the use of the words and the painting of the pictures. Ugh, so good. Verse two, there's a fire inside of you that can't help but shine through. She's never going to see the light no matter what you do. This is a little bit of Taylor discounting the other girl. Obviously, we will never know who she's referring to if it is someone specific at all. But it is very much being like, you will never be that for him in the way that I could. It's a little cheeky. It's a little sassy. I don't know if it's the nicest thing to say about somebody, but... As we've already touched on in this song, it was how she was feeling in this moment and she needed a way to express it. And this is how she did with these kinds of words. So as much as we don't want to invalidate somebody else's experience or ability, we also don't want to invalidate Taylor's. So it's a fine line. It's an interesting verse. We don't get a lot of these types of uh, (laughs) tones from Taylor, if you will, but we get a little little snippet of it in verse two here. We get a different pre-chorus, pre-chorus number two. And all I think about is how to make you think of me and everything that we could be. This brought me to stay beautiful again, because it's that alternate reality fairy tale relationship that she has created in her mind that is actually not happening. That's what stay beautiful was. It was very, very daydream-esque. And this pre-chorus, the second pre-chorus, reminds me of that. All I think about is how to make you think of me and everything that we could be. She is creating this alternate world. We go into the second chorus, which is identical to the first. But I did want to make mention of the lyric, but if you only knew me. Now, this one is an interesting parallel that I drew because I thought it had remnants of the outside in it saying, I'm not seen. You don't see me. You don't know me. But if you did, I wouldn't be this outsider. I wouldn't feel like I was this outsider. Just wanted to draw that to your attention. We get the bridge. Like shadows in a faded light. Oh, we're invisible. These first two lines in the bridge came very close to being my favorite lyrics of the song. Of course, the end of the chorus is my favorite, but this is such a close second. Think about what it is she is saying. Like shadows in a faded light. She's talking about something that's not there. If you don't have light, you don't have shadows. But if there's just enough, if it's not quite dark, it's so faded, it's so faint. This shadow is so faint. But because she says it's invisible, she's saying it's not there. I just, I, I just, when I grip onto and I break it down, this type of songwriting is, it, 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 it almost to me is a 
teaser or a preview of the depths and the lyricism and the poetry that she will continue to weave in her career. This is like folklore level writing. This is evermore level writing. Like we see these snippets of it. Like this whole song is very high school Taylor, very country Taylor, very early career Taylor. But then we see these first two lines of the bridge and we're like, oh, there she is. There is what she will become. I see it now. I see why we get what we got. That's what these first two lines of the bridge remind me of. She's looking for something and there's nothing there. She has an illusion. It's not real. I just want to open your eyes and make you realize you can't force anyone to love you. Ugh, that is like the hardest lesson to learn in life. Uh, I shouldn't say it so <laughs> definitively, but that is a hard lesson to learn in life. Nobody has to love us. That's what makes love so beautiful because love is a choice. So when somebody chooses to love us, it means so much more. And in this case, Taylor's like, I want this for you, but I can't. We get the third and final chorus with some lyric changes. I just want to show you she don't even know you. Baby, let me love you. Let me want you. Different lyrics here talking about herself as opposed to this other girl. Let me want you. She's asking permission to express herself to this boy. It's such a cry. It's such a tearful endeavor. And she starts this chorus in a very typical way for her in this slow, quiet beginning and then builds the volume and the emphasis to the end. You just see right through me, but if you only knew me, we could be a beautiful, miracle, unbelievable instead of just invisible. I don't know why, but when I was doing my research on this song, I saw these final lyrics of the final chorus in a past tense, if you will, point of view. Let me explain. What if she sang it like so? You just saw right through me, but if you'd only known me, we could have been a beautiful miracle, unbelievable. Instead, we were invisible. It, it's not, doesn't say that obviously. Like I took liberty with the lyrics, but that's what it feels like to me. It's like she's turning it around and saying, this is what we could have been. I don't know. Something about the vibe of this ending feels that to me. Let me know if you agree or disagree. Did I take way too much liberty there? We finish with the outro and in true Taylor Swift fashion, we finish with the beginning. She can't see the way your eyes light up when you smile. It finishes on smile with a rolling chord progression and that is invisible. It definitely doesn't have the well wishes of Stay Beautiful. Stay Beautiful was like, you're never going to notice me, but I want you to do the best in life. Whereas this is like, why can't I make you notice me? This is seriously impacting me right now. It's a hard emotion to be in and sit with. And the reality is these types of situations often don't change for the better, if you will. This is the end of whatever illusion or alternate reality that one might have. It's a hard song to hear. We don't actually have any Taylor's trends in this song. So that segment is inapplicable to invisible. But rest assured, next time we have Taylor trends, we will discuss them. 
This week's version of Taylor. Join me every week to discuss breaking Taylor news, whether that's spottings, Easter eggs, social media presence, or general Taylor news. Let's see what she's been up to this week. Taylor news. I actually started doing that when I had the captain on the podcast because he did it. So I like it as my way of initiating the news of the week about Taylor. First, Taylor sent Avril Lavigne flowers and a note. The note said, been dancing around my kitchen to your fabulous new album, exclamation point, exclamation point. It's amazing. Like you, your forever fan, Taylor. Avril posted a video of the flowers and the note on Instagram with style from 1989 playing in the background. I have not listened to Avril's new album, but what a sweet show of friendship from Taylor to Avril. Next, Forbes called Taylor Swift the vinyl queen of the world. Amen. Got that right. Nothing more to say about that. It's just facts are facts. Evermore was nominated for International Album of the Year at the 2022 Juno Awards. Yay, go Juno Awards. They are the Canadian Grammys, if you will. And as a Canadian girl myself, well done, well done. Next, the Country Music Hall of Fame exhibit opened. We talked about the announcement of it a while back, but it has officially opened and it features the guitar, and the dress from the I Bet You Think About Me music video. So jealous to anyone who gets to go and see this exhibit. I will be enjoying all of your pictures and living vicariously through you. New handwriting message from Taylor. She wrote, thank you to all my Chinese fans for purchasing Fearless Taylor's version. I love you guys. We always love a handwritten message from our queen. It was Scott Swift's birthday this past week. Happy birthday, Scott. He celebrated his birthday on March 5th. Then the Sunday Times named Blank Space as 16th on the best songs of the 21st century list. 16 out of 21. Well done. We love a Blank Space moment. Don't forget... It's the Academy of Country Music Awards, Monday, March 7th. It's streaming on Prime Video. And the I Bet You Think About Me music video is nominated for Video of the Year. So we will cover the results of that nomination on next week's podcast. But we hope to say that the video won the award. And finally, Taylor posted on Insta Stories a picture of Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman in the new The Batman, appeared to be Taylor was watching in a theater of some sorts. The caption of the picture was at Zoe Isabella Kravitz is the Catwoman of dreams. The Batman was phenomenal. Three exclamation points. We love when Taylor pops up in our lives and on our socials. So what a fun way to end this week's version of Taylor. Next week, we will be discussing track number 14 of Perfectly Good Heart. This is the final track from the Taylor Swift album. Don't forget to follow and subscribe on all the platforms so you don't miss any content or episodes. And on that note, come back, be there. Be there.